Welcome to the five of us. We are five outspoken women with close to 150 years of experience as broadcast journalists. We left our jobs on the very same day and we are dedicated to helping women avoid the many pitfalls common to the workplace. We've heard from hundreds of people recounting tales of woe on the job, and we have done the research, we're putting it all in a book, and we are here to help. I'm Roma Tori, and along with Kristen Shaughnessy, Janine Ramirez, Vivian Lee, and Amanda Farinacci, we are the five of us. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us. We as journalists deal in facts, and when it comes to working women, there is one uh, nagging truism that we just can't seem to shake, and that is pay inequity or uh, wage the wage the gender wage gap. And I have to wonder why is it that in this day and age, women are still making less money than their male counterparts in in general on, and on average. Obviously, it, it doesn't affect everyone, but. It seems so unfair. Now, I'm not going to bore you with numbers, but uh, there, there is a, a group called the American Association of University Women, and they have compiled some statistics that are just so frustrating to me because I see it year after year after year. Uh, for every dollar that a non-Hispanic white man earns, uh, white women earn 83 cents. And then when you get when you start talking about black women, it, the disparity is even greater. It's uh, 63 cents. And when it's Hispanic women, it's 55 cents. So if, if you look at it another way, for every dollar that a, a man earns, a non-Hispanic man, an Hispanic woman earns about half. That just shouldn't be, and to me that is uh, outrageous. Now, Fortunately, there is some good news on the horizon. The city has a new law. It's called the New York City Wage Transparency Law, and it is an effort to even the playing field to an extent. And basically, it is requiring uh, all businesses, all employers to display the range of salaries for every job that they're listing, that they're, they're posting. So on the surface, it sounds like a step in the right direction. And so I... Amanda, I want to ask you, um, do, do you think this is going to make a significant difference for women in particular? So I think um, to your point, it's a step in the right direction for sure. I think that um, knowledge is power, especially when it comes to income and salary. And the more you know, the better position you are in um, to you know fight for more and to be paid what you deserve. I'm not entirely convinced that it's like a, a you know a one and done kind of thing where they um, because I can't imagine that employers. This is imagine now if your company, I think it's the rule is four or more employees, and you're you have to go uh, follow the law. I can't imagine that you know people stand to lose a lot, right? Like once you start posting salaries, um, the inequities become very clear and um, you're pulling the curtain back on some practices that have been left untouched, relatively untouched for decades, right? So uh, all of a sudden now we're going to see exactly how much money people make. And I can't imagine there's not going to be resistance to that, even though there it will, it you know, it's a law, even though it's a law and people will be forced to comply. I don't see how it's, it's going to be easy peasy. That being said, as a woman, Woman, I, I do think that um, it's it's inherently a huge step in the direction, in the right direction, because uh, now we can figure out where we are and, and yeah. what we can do with the information that we have. I think that that's a really powerful tool as a woman in the workplace. You can take that with you and you can do a lot with that. Yeah. I, I mean, I hate to generalize, but um, women generally tend to um, underestimate their value 
well, men <laughs> overestimate. So if women know what the what the floor is in terms of what the pay is being offered, I, I think it might increase their odds of getting something, um, a, a salary or wage that they truly deserve. Because yeah. oftentimes, you know, when women are asked, you know, how much money do you want? I, I think they go, they lowball themselves. And so this way, at least they, they know what the bottom would be. I also think there's going to be a lot of shock and awe because I think most people really have no clue how much other people in their office make. And I think there's going to be a lot of holy shit. Like, I can't believe that guy makes that much money and I'm over here doing this. You know, I think it's going to change potentially it has the, you know, has the potential to change the total culture of, of a workplace once you know, because that's what it's really all about, right? You're working, but you're working for money. Right. right. You're doing this service or whatever, but it's it's all about the money at the at the yeah. end of the day. Right. So I think it's a game changer. So we you know, we talk about transparency at the public level, but I think within a, a workplace, it's always a, a good idea to know what your colleagues are making, even though a lot of you know, it's a sensitive issue. Kristen, that's something that you've been advocating for a long time. you got to share the information. Right. Yeah. Uh, Janine and I shared our our information for many, many years. And you have to find somebody in your workplace that you trust um, and that you're willing to, you know, go out on a limb for and say, okay, I'll tell you if you tell me. And then that gives you a position of bargaining strength. Because if you have no idea, you're just going to kind of take what they give you, maybe ask for a couple thousand more or whatever. But you really have to know what other people are making. And the more information you have, as Amanda said, information is power. So the more people you know what they're making, the better off it is. And you should not be upset if somebody's making more than you, right? When this transparency, when people start seeing this, if you're working just as hard and you're a better worker, well, you should make more money than that. But don't begrudge somebody for making money. That's great. We should be applauding that. But then it just shows you what you're worth as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the, the problem is, you know, I'm thinking back to when I was trying to negotiate a, a contract and I went into the boss's office and I I said, look, I don't want to be greedy here. So can you just pay me? And I, I said, uh, favored nations, which is a contractual term that means um, nobody in a similar job can make more than you. And the, they asked me to death and said, yeah, of course. I asked to put it in the contract and they said no. And of course, I did not get favored nations at all. You know, so I mean, and I don't know why this happens in the news business anyway. I mean, we all sort of are equal, but that's, that's another story. Um, Vivian, you had mentioned that the Me Too movement had inspired a list that was available for um, a variety of salaries, right? Yeah, it came out in 2019, late 2019. It was started by a millennial. She worked at uh, a digital property owned by the New York Times. And she said that for months before she started the spreadsheet, she had been sharing salaries. Her friends had been sharing salaries with her anyway. And so she decided to put it out there to the public. Like, what are you making as a photojournalist, as an assistant production uh, producer, as a writer, as um, an editor, as a reporter, as an on-air person? And she garnered in just the first few weeks, like hundreds of submissions to this spreadsheet. There were a couple of um, media outlets that reported that some of the postings were incorrect mm -hmm. based on what social media was showing. There were some people who were saying, that's not what I made when I was in that position, according to this spreadsheet. I made a lot more. Or I made a lot less. So, But what it really did was it created this crowdsourced forum where people could share their salaries. And it gave you a really good snapshot of what you were up against um, based on 
geography, number of years of service, and where you had worked beforehand. That's what the spreadsheet had listed. And it was really quite amazing to see because you you knew that this these weren't conversations that were happening on a regular basis. But I think it did touch off a comfort level that people had with starting to talk about this. Yeah, you know, uh, so when we were putting the, our ideas together for the book and I was doing some interviews and I, I spoke to one woman who told me that uh, she was shocked one day to discover that there was a, a young man who was hired with less experience, but taking on a very similar job to her. And he was making almost twice the salary coming in that she was making after being there for several years. And when she went to her HR department to make the complaint, the answer was, it's not that uh, you're underpaid, it's that he's overpaid and there's really nothing we can do about that. So Janine, what is a woman to do if she uncovers this kind of information and she you know, wants to set the record straight? How, how, how do women negotiate better pay for themselves? I think this transparency law is going to definitely help, right? So you're going to have like a range of what this position is supposed supposedly makes, right? So that's going to be helpful with this whole knowledge is power. You also, um, you know, do your homework before you go in and ask for a raise of, of any sort and negotiate anything. I mean, there's all these online sites now that we didn't have when we were kind of coming up the Indeed and all these job listing online sites on the internet where you could go and look to see what they're paid for that position. So really kind of get a sense of what everybody is making in this particular position, which goes back to Kristen's point is you know, talk to your to coworkers, talk to people who are in similar fields, who, who have similar positions as you do, because uh, you really kind of need to know what you can make and what um, and where you're at. So so if right, if somebody makes more than you, like Kristen says, you know, you, it's not that you should feel bad about yourself. You should be like, you know what, that should give you incentives to be like, I need to be making more. And then if you're making more than the person that you share it with, you know, you shouldn't be like, I'm getting paid too much. I mean, whoever feels like they're getting paid too much, that's like, a, that's like not exist, existent, right? So obviously do your homework before you go in and ask for a raise. And, you know, um, if you don't get anywhere with that conversation, negotiating with your manager, your boss, you know, you may need to change jobs. There's sometimes, as you said, this woman who had this job for so long and a guy came in higher than her, you know, like sometimes you're sort of pigeonholed in your job and you're sort of, uh, you know, they kind of make a, a decision about you that you're never going to really move up within this company. So sometimes it's just better to take your skills and leave. But, you know, it isn't illegal for an employer to ask about a job applicant's salary history. So, right, that's already illegal in New York. And then this new pay equity law says that employers cannot prohibit employees from sharing info. If you notice, a lot of times at the job, they're like, hush, this is a negotiation between me and you. This is how much you're making and do not share it. Well, the new law is saying that employers are not allowed to do that anymore so in New York anyway. So um, so that's also you know good for the employee to try to negotiate. Um, and if you know if you can't if you can't negotiate and you decide to leave, um, there's also um, this New York State Division of law, labor that allows New Yorkers to file complaints, right? If you get stuck in this current em, em, employment situation and you're getting paid less for equal work, 
um, you're allowed to file a complaint with the New York State Division of Labor. And one of the questions in there is, does this person have seniority over you? And do they possess more education, training, and experience? If the answer is no, you have a legitimate complaint with New York State Division of Labor. Um, if not, you know, you can always find an employment lawyer and file a lawsuit. Uh, you know, Scarlett Johansson, the, the actress, went and fired, uh, filed a lawsuit against Disney because she felt like she was being cheated out of money, if you remember that lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, we talked about that extensively because it was, you know, a, a headline-making story. And, you know, it, it's funny, I, you know, I think to myself, if, if it can happen to a movie star, the caliber of a Scarlett Johansson, then, I mean, it really can happen to any of us, although you know, she's a zillionaire and she's always going to get work. But still, it, it, it's just shocking to me that even at that level, women are subjected to this kind of discrimination. Right, Kristen? Yeah, I mean, the money here in the lawsuit, this was for the Black Widow movie, and it was tied, a lot of the money was tied to bonuses for a theatrical release, but they released the movie online, they streamed it. And so those bonuses went out, and they argued, you know, you made $20 million on this movie. Okay, that's fine, and most people can't even relate to that, but the bottom line is, she was owed more money for a theatrical release, and it didn't happen. She had negotiated that deal, so she went after them. And what did they do? They sort of painted her as this difficult actress, right? Who just is demanding. And how dare you? You're making $20 million. But the fact is, this was money she negotiated. So she knew her worth and she went after it. So, you know, and I think when somebody like that in a prominent position speaks up, she's kind of setting the tone for so many other people, you know, who might not ever make a million dollars or even $100,000. But at least it kind of tells you, speak up. Another example here is Crazy Rich Asians. Remember how well that movie did. $238 million worldwide is when it grows. The co-screenwriter on that, Adele Lim, walked away from the sequel. And that's because they offered her, you know, reportedly $110,000 around that time. This is when they started negotiating. Um, and her co-screenwriter, who was a man, was offered reportedly between $800 and a million dollars. And he stepped up. He actually, you know, kudos to him. He said, you know what? I'll split it, you know, I'll split the fee. And she said, that's not the point. And she was very, you know, she was very uh, great, you know, happy that he did that. But she did have this quote, Pete has been nothing but incredibly gracious, but what I make shouldn't be dependent on the generosity of the white guy writer. Mm -hmm. If I couldn't get pay equity after Crazy Rich Asians, $238 million gross, I can't imagine what it would be like for anyone else, given that the standard for how much you're worth is having established quotes from previous movies which women of color would never have been hired for. So she was, you know, setting the tone saying, I'm not taking this. She walked and she went to work for Disney and she found another very successful project. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you, women do pay a price for taking that step. Um, and I, I'm, you're talking about lawsuits. I'm thinking about the U S women's soccer team who finally settled their lawsuit with uh, FIFA because they had been underpaid relative to their, uh, male counterparts, uh, the the men's uh, soccer team, and Vivian, we were talking about this pretty extensively because it it was so glaring the amount of money that men stood to earn from their winnings versus the the prize money for the women, and and they finally got some some equity out of this, right? Yeah, one of the more glaring stats that came out from the lawsuit. 
and what happened afterwards. I mean, they settled earlier this year, but it really came down to the collective bargaining, excuse me, collective bargaining agreement that was um, settled for both the men's team and the women's team. Basically, they make more money as champions at the Men's World Cup than the Women's World Cup champions make. It's glaring. It's like 46 million versus 30 million. And then the bonuses that come when you just reach the the final rounds, there are bonuses that come to you that there's a disparity there, too. The men's finalists will get 13 million for the whole team, and then the women's team will only get 4 million. And so what they ended up doing, which I thought was really creative, was uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation decided we are going to, as part of these new collective bargaining agreements that we have um, established, we're going to pool that money together. And guess what? We're going to divvy it up individually, evenly among the male and female players. And I thought that was brilliant. It took care of a lot of the issues that uh, the women's lawsuit, the women's soccer team lawsuit had brought up. One of them was that they enjoyed guaranteed salaries. The men did not have guaranteed salaries, but because you know the soccer industry talks about how much more eyeballs are going to men's games to begin with, they justified it. They justified it saying, okay, women will guarantee you a salary, but it's going to be way lower than what the men make. And so it got rid of that problem. That was a huge problem for the women's soccer team when they were arguing for pay equity. And there were a bunch of other things that were settled too. Um, the, the, the equality, equal treatment in the turf that they would be playing on, practicing on, the facilities where they slept, you know, the, the hotels they got to book, all of that has been equalized. So anything of monetary value has been agreed upon as something that's going to be evenly doled out because both teams are now seen as valuable. And the U.S. Soccer Federation is saying we are the only and first nation so far to do this for our pro soccer team. So world fall in line behind us because we're going to do this no matter what you say. And it says something that the head of the soccer federation is a woman. Yeah. So it's a step <laughs> in the right direction. Um, do you, you know, I, I was uh, thinking about the, the fact that those, those women who uh, were on the U S women's soccer team were celebrities from the get-go. And, you know, we were talking before, can anybody name uh, a male soccer player from the United States. And, you know, my daughter could name the whole team. And not to mention that in terms of their, their success, the women's U.S. women's soccer team won four World Cups since 1985. And the men's soccer team hadn't, I think it's been since like 1930 that the U.S. men had won anything. So when you talk about um, parity in terms of their value, you would have to think that the women would have a lot more value than the men. And yet the women were, were kept at such a, a, a lower pay scale. And so part of that has to do with perception of women and the value of women in the United States. Uh, there, there is this ridiculous prejudice that people aren't as interested in seeing women play or they don't think that women deserve the amount of money that men make. You know, when I, when I started, um, at a television station uh, many, many years ago. Um, it, it, this was like 30 years, 40, 30 years ago. Um, my bosses were, were willing to acknowledge that they were paying men more money than women in comparable positions. And the reason was that 
they said men are the breadwinners and women are not, and they just don't deserve as much money. So the, the, the perception of what women deserve and then by extension, what they're earning is, has just got to change. What do you think, Amanda? It's, it's yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, I think you hit it spot on. I think it's this perception that uh, men are going to go to get, you know, big paying jobs and they're going to provide and their wives, if they work, will bring, will be lesser. And I, I think we've, we've seen that change certainly in our uh, little group here. Um, you know, we, we all have working husbands. We all have, um, you know, we've all talked, we've discussed this, right? Like that it's not that crazy for a woman to make a lot of money. Um, but culturally it becomes, um, it, this perception that that's not really the woman's job. And so, you know, we don't have to, you shouldn't worry about that so much. The other part of it, I think is when you have a woman who makes a lot of money, um, it be, to your point about, you know, Scarlett Johansson, and we heard about actress Jennifer Lawrence, right? Like the woman who stands up for herself and says, I'm, I'm owed more, or I'm, I'm valued more or pay me more, whatever is it. It's almost like the confidence, their confidence becomes weaponized against them, right? Like they're standing up for themselves. They're saying, I know this and I'm worth this. So pay me this. And it's, oh, well, that woman's a bitch or that woman has a big mouth or that woman's not right. And so those are the kinds of cultural changes that need to be made as well. Right. So like, we can know how much everybody makes, we can know that we're valued, but like, unless all of these other things start to change as well, which is like this misconception that a woman needs to just be in the house and taking care of things and, you know, running, running stuff at home and until all of those other things change. I think it's, it's still a little bit of a struggle. It's going to be a little bit of a struggle. I think the pandemic has helped a little bit because of like the flexibility that's been offered by remote work and women being less, um, amenable to the way things used to be. I think people have said, look, we can do, we can do it all. We can be, um, you know, breadwinners. We can be at home with, with this flexibility piece that the pandemic has sort of in introduced, but, um, there's a lot of like stuff that women just have to get over. And I, you know, I, I think that that's makes it a little bit of a rough road or a, a long road rather. Can I suggest something too, that it starts with when you're young, so in our household, we're trying really hard to stop using the word bossy, smart cookie, battle axe, because guess what? Men are not subjected to those terms. They're saved for women who are seen as very assertive. So we're trying to use different words, especially with our girls, to let them know that, okay, there's a place and a time to be assertive. This is not that time because <laughs> mommy's word and daddy's word is the law right now. But I really do feel like it starts with... Um, laying the groundwork at a very young age for children. How we regard women. Right. Right. And I took and a business class in setting up a, a business after I left the, my television journalist career. And I had a woman uh, teaching a class to a bunch of women who were wanted to be entrepreneurs. And, she, you know, there was a whole lesson on pricing and um, your value. And she said over and over again, I've been doing this for years women are constantly undervaluing um, themselves. And so, you know, when you set your price point for if you're, you're providing a service or if you're selling a product, um, you really need to, whatever you think originally, go higher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, one thing I, I wanted to mention a little bit earlier is that there was an estimate of the amount of money that women collectively in this country each year lose or are cheated out of by virtue of their gender, just being women. And it's $500 billion that women 
should have collectively uh, gained uh, if they were treated equally with men. So now we go back, Kristen, we were talking about this earlier, there is such a thing as an Equal Pay Act. And it's uh, almost 60 years old, it was passed, uh, in, federally passed in 1963. And it supposedly guarantees that uh, women have to get equal pay in the workplace. And yet, what went wrong? Because <laughs> uh, we're still waiting for that day to, to, to come. But you also have to have people who are willing to speak out and say, I'm not being paid, right? right because right. you, a lot of people don't want to risk their job or their career if they speak up and are now considered difficult. And we'll get somebody else in here who will be quiet and do the work. But if you want to speak up, which we would encourage people to speak up if you're not getting paid what you're worth, to bring a claim under the Equal Pay Act, uh, there's a couple things. You have to show that the female employee and the male employee are basically performing similar work. Um, it doesn't have to have the same title, but it has to be similar work uh, in the same workplace with similar working conditions, And but you're earning different salaries. So it does not require you know those same job titles, as I said, and it equals levels, equal levels of skill, effort, and productivity. So that's uh, one thing. I will say that the employer, they have to prove, they have something that they have to prove. They have to either prove it was not a gender-based decision by saying it was determined based on seniority, a merit system, the quantity or quality of the production. The other thing to know is you can go right to court if you think you have a claim. You do not have to file a charge with the EEOC. So you can go right, you can get an employment lawyer and go right to court, but you better have the goods if you do that, including, you know, hopefully some paycheck receipts, and then you're going to have to have somebody else fess up there. So <laughs> get ready for a fight. Uh, you know, just as an addendum, uh, it's something that caught my attention. And before, before we close out, I, I, I had to mention this. Um, while uh, women are paid less in general compared to men, uh, in in many cases, they're expected to pay more when they purchase goods and services, and it's um, it's called it's the so-called pink tax. And so I, I you know, I, I only found out about this uh, many years ago when I was buying toys for my children at Christmas time. Anything that was like pink for little girls that had flowers and and little ponies and rosebuds on them was a little bit more money than the comparable toy that would go to boys. But it's not just children, it's, it's just about everything. Blue jeans, men's blue jeans cost generally less for the exact same blue jean and style, only there's more fabric in a men's, uh, in a men's pants than, than what a woman would get, and yet um, women are charged more for their blue jeans. And it, it's also services, um, mechanics, um, dry cleaning, even, I, I, I was shocked when I saw this. Laxatives that are marketed to women cost more than laxatives that are marketed to men, which you know just seemed to me like a load of crap. <laughs> um, <laughs> pardon my pun. Really. Anyway, anyway, um, worked all day on that. <laughs> now, right, the, the whole other podcast episode. I, I kept thinking about this lot of load of shit. Anyway. Um, thank you guys. Uh, you know, we were talking about Hollywood and, and I know you mentioned Jennifer Lawrence, um, Amanda, and I just wanted to end. We always try to end with a, an appropriate quote. I wanted to end with this one. Jennifer Lawrence, uh, said this in an interview. She said, Jeremy Renner, Christian Bale and Bradley Cooper all fought and succeeded in negotiating powerful deals for themselves. If anything, I'm sure they were commended for being fierce and tactical while I was busy worrying about coming across as a brat. So 
there you have it. Um, we, we've got a long way to go to, to, to fight these things. Anyway, thank you, ladies. And uh, thank you, folks, for, for joining us. We really uh, appreciate you taking the time. And uh, we just want to say you can check us out. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon. Please um, share our podcast. Um, we invite you to, to uh, share it with your friends, your family members. And uh, please uh, write us a good review, only if you like us. So we'll talk to you next time. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to The Five of Us. We want to hear from you with any questions, ideas, or suggestions for future discussions. Just write to us at the emails you see here, and we will be eager to help. Talk to you next time.